It's time for the show that aims to rank everything in the known universe, no matter how dumb. One list, infinite topics, Totes Faves. Welcome to the Totes Faves Museum of Time Travel. Our hours of operation are irrelevant. Our curators are... Faves. Where we're going, we don't need faves. I'm Zara. My future is so bright, I need sunglasses. I'm Deepu. Where is my flying car? I'm Brandon. So, how's everyone doing today? Now, welcome back. It's been a while. A lot's changed. A lot's changed. <laughs> 2017. <laughs> Woo, best year ever already. <laughs> I think we've been thinking about the past and mulling the future a lot, which got us to thinking what would be the perfect topic to start 2017, but visions of the future. And Define, um, visions just of be- the future. Oh. Deepu, don't interrupt the announcer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 2017. So she, Keep Go she, ahead again. No, it's fine. So she told us to define visions of the future. Oh, I was interrupting her to say that anyways because she's a woman and it's Trump's America, so I get to go first. <laughs> wow, uh, even robots in the future. Even robots. Lady robots get yeah, interrupted. So that, that's actually really perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say I um, there was a bit of miscommunication amongst this beautiful family of co-hosts, uh, whereas I think Zara and Brandon thought it was just visions of the future like generally speaking from popular culture, I just want to clarify, I thought it was post-apocalyptic visions of the future, so I'm not this <laughs> negative. I just, you know, was mildly misguided. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because we were trying to look, now that we're in the future, we wanted to think about some of our favorite positive futures. and that, I guess Well, no, it, no, not necessarily. Not I think necessarily. we just said the future, and Deepu <laughs> heard post-apocalyptic future. I just heard awesome, super fun future. And so all my picks are like the yeah, best, so most flying car A third of these future. picks might be post-apocalyptic, <laughs> and a third of them might be really positive. But and I think the uh, rest will be somewhere in between. Yes, exactly. And doesn't that really speak to 2017? Is We don't know exactly what's ahead of us So right far, now. nothing yeah. positive in so 2017. I, so I'm going to vote for accurate perceptions of the future, not uh, lofty, um, idealistic goals of Zara. Okay. <laughs> Great. Battle begin. Round one. Gattaca versus Marvel's Age of Apocalypse. Oh, I don't even know what Marvel's Age of Apocalypse is. Well, let's have Deepu tell us. Oh, great. So um, don't be confused by Marvel's Age of the Apocalypse to think that I'm talking about the X-Men movies. But rather, I'm talking about in 1995, which means I was a 12-year-old boy, uh, they did a full nine comic book crossover series um, predicting a future in which Professor Xavier was killed very early in life. And then all nine of these comic books changed their names, swapped which superheroes were and other things, and totally gave them different roles for like the most like magnanimous crossover that Marvel ever did, where Apocalypse comes to rise, because I thought it was post-apocalyptic futures. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not post-apocalyptic. This is... Peri-apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was just like, n- in terms of like the defining moments of my nerd 
being of a 12-year-old, like, this shook my world, <laughs> right? Like, Magneto was a good guy. Gambit was in Excalibur. There's a whole new cast of people that had actually died in the past, but now they were in the X-Men, but they had a different name called the Amazing X-Men. It was like everything changed showing this really dark future where Apocalypse was um, in, in charge and Sentinels were actually good guys. I have so many more follow-up questions, but first I have to explain <laughs> my one. I want to know so much more about this um, Marvel apocalypse. But so mine is a different future. It's a, a I'd say a near future. Um, it's a nine as sorry. It's a near future as portrayed in the 1997 movie Gattaca. And in this future, as well as having some nasty things to do with eugenics and being able to genetically select how like the best traits to create the perfect child. It is also a movie where everyone is the hottest and most beautiful in the most futuristic mid-century wood toned, like everything is chrome and wood and it is the most beautiful version of the future. So if we just like turn a blind eye to the undertones of eugenics and the sadness that's created the perfect world and just like love the beauty that is young Ethan Hawke, young Jude Law and young Uma Thurman and seeing the, the relationships that like unfold between them. Um, it's a vision of the future that I do enjoy. I have a follow-up question and a comment. Yes. Which would you prefer to hear first, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear the follow-up question. Now, I can't remember because I haven't watched this in a while, but was in this eugenic society where, Azara, I 100% agree with you, a world where everybody was that beautiful is a world that I would want to live in if I, too, looked more beautiful. Was so, yeah, it's a given that we're in, if we're in that world, yeah, we are the chosen is beautiful, true, what else? genetically perfect people, yeah. <laughs> um, but was everybody white? Good I can't question. remember. I, I sometimes remember a person of color in Gattaca. Think that all movies in the mid '90s, everybody was white, yeah. except for the ones where everybody was black. So it might not have been a plot point, <laughs> right? Um, it's it is pr- problematic in 2017 and in always time, always. But <laughs> now um, you know. And then the comment that I'll make very quick is that we have to do, do a bunch of ethics training uh, to get your graduate degree in neurobiology. And somehow I got it to count for two hours of ethics training to just watch Gattaca and discuss it with three friends. No, here, that, no. Well, that's also I first watched Gattaca in, um, in, a, in a biology class in high school. Um, to learn about genetics, we watched Gattaca. So Gattaca seems to be an... A, a, I feel like it's just when, I mean, I know DNA was discovered. That was like a 1950s, mid-century discovery and development. But I feel like the 90s were a time where people were like, but what could we do with genetics? This is going to be exciting. And it seemed, and also people were first starting to get their genomes tested. um, I think DNA testing came out around there. Well, speaking of genetics, Deepu's future also involves DNA and mutations, Right, um, the X of the X, amazing X Men. <clears throat> Thank you, Zara, for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Two ears, one mouth. <laughs> um, I know quite a bit about the Age of Apocalypse, as you can imagine. It's not my favorite of the X Men um, uh, storylines because I don't like when um, 
Angel becomes Archangel. I never, yeah. I never really enjoyed that. In the movies that. that seem like a cop out. The movie's got a lot of problems going on. <laughs> but I do enjoy movie. that movie it, somewhat. Um, I didn't hate that movie, but it had its issues. But we're not talking about the movie. We're talking about the comic book, which is pretty good. Who, so what's the crossover? It's all the so different X-Men? You can barely even call it a crossover because they took the writing staff and the like editors for each comic book, gave it a totally new title and cast of team members. It was an event book. They, they do Sometimes they'll have a book that's um, usually costs an extra couple dollars, and it's an event book. Yeah, and it's like nine, <laughs> there's nine different comic books changed. Um, but... I can't even spend the hour giving you the priors of why this was so important later. <laughs> and it's I like love cultural Gattaca. touchstone. I forgot about how so pretty what Thurman are, was. What are we feeling, guys? Uh, I don't know. You're the tie. You're. I guess I'm the tiebreaker. Yeah. I so here's here's where I am right now. I'll be try to be as fast as possible, and you guys can maybe decide based on my how I'm thinking. Is that Gattaca is interesting to have on the list because we are moving forward at a time now where genetics and um, DNA and the genome, what we can do there, is a big part of our new tech, technological Brandon future. Brandon just sent his to Ancestry.com. Yes, I, just, I did. <laughs> so we'll I just see. spat into the, to a, We'll see if, <laughs> if I can go to space. If he's going to be allowed in the right? future Right? Wasn't society? that a whole thing, whether you yeah, go to space or not? Yeah, it's all about whether you're allowed to go to space. So we'll see if I'm allowed to go to space. Um, but then Age of Apocalypse is really good. Um, and I don't think Deepu had enough time to really describe it and get into some of the things that happened in that but I think Gattaca is more appropriate in a way. What do you guys think I should do? I, or should I? I think so you I, should vote for Gattaca. I really, I, I want to <laughs> learn more about Apocalypse, but at the same time, I, I want to live in Jude Law's house with like an open fireplace and. Okay, I'm fine to go with Gattaca. So many wood, I, I'm going to have tones. to go with Gattaca. Stylistically it feels, beautiful. Feels right to go with Gattaca. <laughs> That's the future. I I'm, in, I'm on board with that. Okay. Run to Star Trek versus Gattaca. Well, I feel like I'm gonna lose <laughs> here already. I actually almost had Star Trek on my list, but I don't think I'm a good enough fan to like right, so fully defend me, it. So I'm gonna let my words Brandon. completely. So Brandon, you are in mass support. Yeah, right? is- <laughs> Keep going. Say the words we could never say. Yeah. Okay. So I. I to, to talk about Star Trek, I don't want to give the full history and all the details because I could go in. I, could, I can go into that, guys. But um, the Star Trek future was invented by Gene Roddenberry in a time not unlike now because we never actually have changed much. When this we're talking about like the, the civil rights movement at its peak, and Gene Roddenberry tried to come up with a future that he did put he put on TV where everyone was equal. He thought, well, eventually, give humans enough time, we'll all will work out this racism problem. <laughs> and so he invented a future where, where after humans had come in contact with aliens, they decided to explore the stars. Uh, and we, now in the original version of Star Trek, we had no qualms and problems with each other, only had problems with aliens. <laughs> Which I think in another way was also saying a little bit about the Russians, even though the Russians were on the, the crew. Um, and it did... Only uh, one. Only we only had one Russian on the crew, um, but it, it did amazing things at a time where it, it, it you know, they just weren't being talked about, and um, and it just evolved and became one of the pop culture phenomenons of um, of that century. 
Um, <coughs> I, I feel so. I yes, I don't have the background. I've seen a handful of Star Trek episodes, a lot of Deep Space Nine, which is a oh, weird thing. Just, no. just based on when when it aired in England, which was right before Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So oh, yes. <laughs> that's that is why I've seen many episodes of Deep Space Nine. But I I will explain this one with one of my later picks. But what I love about portrayals of the future is seeing where the technology is and what awesome things there are. And the one thing that I've always wanted besides flying cars is the ability to beam places. And I love that. And that's the reason I wanted to put Star Trek on this list was like the one thing I want from the future is to be able to beam to a different place. Now, yeah, I felt well, the same it's over way a short about range. a tricorder. <laughs> and like, I sort of win because now we have iPhones. Well, Star Trek has, I think it's one of the more successful sci-fi futures at predicting technology. It is, you know, the guy who invented the cell phone for Motorola basically said what inspired him was Star Trek. He wanted the Star Trek. Oh, the design is almost identical. Yeah. That's not, no, well, not, oh, no, well, the original, the, that big track phone no, thing. No, the thing. No, the flip phone. The, the first the flip, flip phone, phone was a tricorder. Yeah. You know, but the guy that invented the original, like, big Zach Morris phone. Oh, okay. He oh. was inspired by Star Trek. Oh. Um, yeah. I'll say another thing, which is just going to make it clear that Gattaca stands no chance. Um, is that <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> I love it because... As a story of hope, the, the, like, you know, they focus on all the conflict that Star Trek, like each episode, but in the background is a perfectly peaceful world where there's like mm-hmm. no hunger, no violence, no anything. And it's all because basically something like the Model UN worked. Not Model UN, the real UN. Maybe that's more accurate because Model UN in high school always resolved. So it's like, what if Model <laughs> UN was a real thing? And it's like, that's a world I want to live in. Yeah, if there's a war about to happen, you just yeah. need Patrick Stewart to go up to you and speak some soft words in your ear, make you feel reassured, yeah. and then all of a sudden, no more yeah. wars. Well, you know, it's, not just, it's, it's not just no more wars. Um, and it's that, you know, this is far enough in the future that uh, there has been, there was a World War Three in the Star Trek timeline. There was a period of really bad war. Um, I think there even was like something close to another Holocaust in that past. But then aliens arrived and fixed that um, because everyone decided that. And what also find also kind of amazing with Star Trek is that once aliens arrived, everyone became atheists. And that's something that's not so much talked about in Star Trek. But is in Deep Space Nine, it is talked oh, about Deep Space Nine constantly. <laughs> is that they're all atheists. And it's a big piece of that, uh, of that future. Um, Deep Space Nine is when they kind of bring back the conflict, and that's what makes it an interesting show. Oh, but I think it sounds like we're all going with Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you picked it. Okay. You're welcome, Deepu. All right. So what's what's up next? We got... The Jetsons. Oh, these are two very stylized futures. <laughs> Only because you're talking about that, like, made robot, right? We're yeah, that's my discuss. whole argument. It's about Rosie. <laughs> um, well, Zara, I invite you to go first if you... I assume this is your pick. <laughs> yeah, it, it's my pick, and it's not because it's a good show. It's not a good show. It's very basic. Nineteen. It's from 1962 to 63. It falls into all the traps of sitcoms of those times. The women are um, naggy and slightly dumb, and the husbands are lazy, and 
have the job and the moms at home and let's push all those things aside and just enjoy the style of the future. And one of my most favorite things in the world is what was known at the time and still is known as the Googie style, which is, um, became popular in the 1950s and 60s. And it's what people at that time interpreted as like modernistic future architecture. And it's called Googie after um, a coffee shop in LA that was called Googie. And so one architect did that. And then it sort of branded the style that we're talking swoopy ceilings. Look at the TWA terminal um, at JFK. Look at all the diners and coffee shops in LA, bowling alleys, the Las Vegas sign, Tomorrowland at Disneyland, uh, monorails, like, I love that vision of the future. It might be my favorite vision of the future. Just stylistically, it's beautiful. I love all the pointy, swoopy white roofs. Um, And then also Rosie the Robot is the best. So it's pretty interesting because I think the uh, argument Zara made are the same reason I picked uh, her, the 2013 Spike Jones film, um, except I picked a version where it doesn't demoralize women by putting them in objectified roles, but it's still about design and concept. <laughs> so, <laughs> I so mean, objectifying, <laughs> she is like a watch <laughs> in yours. <laughs> I guess he's a pretty dope, too. Like, he's a dopey yeah. dope. Um, but this was uh, Spike Jones's first solo screenwriting gig. Uh, it's set in a not-so-distant future where a lonely Joaquin Phoenix um, develops a relationship with his um, operating system, Samantha, who's just uh, a, a, a computer program. <laughs> She's an operating system. <laughs> they it's an operating system. They go on dates. They, they go to the park. They fall in love. But then she gets jealous, and then she gets too smart, and then she leaves. And um, the reason I really like it uh, is for for two things. One is that I typically can't stand uh, what's her name? What's her name? Um, Scarlett Johansson. I think she's the worst. Except in that movie, I loved her because you never see her because she's always in a computer box. Um, so some, that's great. Some uh, heterosexual men would say the opposite. Yeah. So something for, uh, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine for them. Um, but the real reason I loved it, and this is very close um, to Zara's, is that I love a world where all the men wear gorgeous high waisted pants. And literally, there's <laughs> a scene pants. in his home, in Joaquin Phoenix's home, where he has a bedspread that I love so much that I spent three hours on the internet looking for it and I couldn't find it. Did you find, find it? it? Oh. Yeah, it's just the beautiful, softest palette of warm colors that's ever existed in a futuristic world. The coloring, like the colors in that movie are so beautiful. They're out of control. Like her, similar, actually, that vision, although I feel like it's raining all the time in Gattaca, but her, it's like the same. All the buildings are just giant windows and all the chairs are like carved mahogany. Like everything is the I, most beautiful. It's so much softer than Gattaca. Like really softer. Soft. Her yes, to me felt positive. like it was further in the, ahead in the future than it might seem. Um, cause, because of the weather. <laughs> it feels like they're in a dome or something. Yeah. I mean, it's they, never they a bad day. They could have just been in, 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 San, in, like, San, in San California. Diego? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just San Diego. Yeah, we don't understand these things here in New York. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I like the Jetsons look too. I just, um, I, I, it's a very interesting choice. It was just really hard to watch. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I, I also growing up, I hated the Flintstones. I thought it was so boring. But for some reason, the Jetsons was like 
oh, fun, flying cars, <laughs> aliens. Like, it, even though it was the same format completely. Um, or, I mean, George was, like, more dopey than mean. But Fred was kind of like well, a jerk. Has, am I the only one that has seen when the Jetsons and the Flintstones meet? Yes, I've you, seen that. I've and seen I'd that. also, in theaters as a child, I saw the Jetsons movie. Oh, that? <laughs> was, yeah. Where they like, involved Judy Jetson, the daughter, I think falling in love with a rock star. Yeah. Like a future rock star. Yeah, future rock star. I think yeah. that Green Alien was the first portrayal of a gay um, person in a cartoon. And Rosie the Robot was the first lesbian. Yeah, so that was the first time a gay <laughs> alien and a lesbian robot met in um, on television. Yeah, it's very um, undiverse otherwise. <laughs> However, oh wow, I really wanted to vote for her, but not that I just realized it was a place, a safe space, <laughs> such a safe space for gay aliens. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm I a loved torn the- because I, I, her was like one of the most beautiful movies. Yeah. I love the Jetsons, um, and I might be swinging a little bit towards her, um, because one thing that always bothered me in the Jetsons, they didn't even give a really good explanation of why everyone had to be in the sky. Everyone's in the sky all the time. That's true. And the heights really bothered me, and like especially when they went outside on the treadmill, and like there would always be a problem. Why was the treadmill outside? Because I guess the dog had to pee off the treadmill. Yeah. Like, maybe they're really rich, and there's a plebeian class that lives on the ground. Ooh, an but, underclass. Yeah, I would like to see that flash slash fiction of the underworld yeah. of the Jetsons. <laughs> So, what are you guys thinking? I think, Brandy, you're, again, in a very clutch spot. I think Zara is swinging towards her. Oh, you're throwing me... That's crazy, but I think Zara feels more strongly at her. I guess if if I'm putting from a design standpoint, both designs are equal, but one finished product is better than the other. And remember, Gattaca's gone, so it's almost like you're voting for Gattaca. That's true. All right, her. All right, so Zara decided that. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even have to vote. All right, so. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) this is basically, you weren't voting because the Jetsons is gone, but this is the Jetsons, but... Well, but, but like puppet let's have, version. Let's have Deepu go. Okay. <laughs> Why even bother? Okay, I picked I picked the Matrix. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh we all know the Matrix. I'm not going to describe it. Keanu Reeves, Cyberpunk, blah blah blah. Take the pill or not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the I popular quote: Take the pill or not. Again, I thought we were picking post-apocalyptic pictures, <laughs> and I like this one because it's sort of like. Something for everyone. You could either pick to be in this dark, dreary world that involves very long trench coats, right? (laughs) Where you're, like, fighting evil robot aliens. But, like, me, on the other hand, I would just choose to stay plugged in and spend the rest of my life as a 7 out of 10. And I sort of just (laughs) like having that option of, like, okay, in the future, you could just, like, eh, it's all right, and that's fine. Or, like, oh, it can be even worse because you want to make a change in the world. And that seemed like a really accurate portrayal of what the future might be like, you know? <laughs> Status quo or even worse. <laughs> a message of hope. <laughs> oh, my God. So on a message of hope, um, 1964 World's Fair. 
um, thanks to Robert Moses, it became heavily reliant on sponsorships. And because they couldn't get international people, uh, international people to make pavilions at the World's Fair. So GE, General Electric, approached Walt Disney to develop an attraction. And he had an idea that he was kicking around for Disneyland um, to make a carousel of progress. And that's when he invented the Carousel of Progress. It's a circular theater that shows um, inventions through time to basically sell GE products. Um, <laughs> Thank you for uh, saying it. I'm glad you said it. Yeah, It was uh, one of the most popular th- uh, p- attractions at the World's Fair. More than 200 people entered and exited the attraction every four minutes and a constant stream. It u- usually had an, a line that took an hour. Um, and it's still today at uh, World Disney, uh, Walt Disney World. They got rid of the one in, Dis- in Disneyland. Um, and that one is, uh, I believe, the Disney World one is the f- original one from the World's Fair. Yeah, they brought it over. Yeah. Um, and basically, it goes through different decades. You get to Act 4, and that's when you get to the future and what Disney and GE thought would be coming for us. And that is the future that I'm talking about. Um, A little bit for the Matrix. I almost had the Matrix on my list for the same reason, which is like, oh, you could just stay in the womb. (laughs) Yeah. It's not that bad. Once you're out of the womb, it's not great. (laughs) Well, but like even Zara, even in the worst case scenario of when you get out of the womb, right? It's like you have to wear a torn duster for a couple weeks, then stab one of your friends in the back, and then you get to go back in again. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of death going on in those other two movies. Not that it. Oh, right. When they were. Everyone. Lots of people died. Sorry. Did did I stutter and accidentally say Matrix Reloaded? I don't (laughs) think so. I said the 1990 film, The Matrix. But, (laughs) But you both can clearly tell where my heart is. From my love for the Jetson style because that is replicated. This this is but a year after the Jetsons aired. <laughs> suddenly, yeah. Well, let's, <laughs> the vision of the future so, is the same. <laughs> so it is a very so the one you see in Disney World right now has been updated a couple times I because they hope. lost the sponsorship from GE, and but so they had to take out the GE updated. Fringe. I think in like the late nineties. So it, but every time I feel so there's a VR headset. I feel like except for at that World's Fair, every time anyone has seen the Castle of Progress, it has seemed extremely outdated. <laughs> Uh, right? Okay. It's so good, though. Brandy, um, this is so challenging for me to say because, like, I don't know. If you're a new listener to the show, I wholeheartedly support Brandon and every Disney-related endorsement he makes. I love <laughs> Disney. I love Disney World. I literally have never been so bored in my entire life Deepu, in Orlando, Florida, except when I was on the that ride, even, even more so than Ellen's eco-friendly I was, ride. I was about to say, more boring than Ellen's eco <laughs> More, journey they do a, they do a, uh, they have an okay pre-show video about why this is important and I think it is an actual piece of history and they don't do a good enough job explaining and why it's important. And there's very few remnants of the World's Fair from 1964 left and this one is fully intact. A lot of it was thrown into the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Literally just thrown into the sea. Uh, this is completely intact and let me tell you some of the inventions that Disney says is coming for us. Virtual reality video games. They're Check. coming, guys. Got it. Voice activated ovens. So that dad so that dad doesn't burn the turkey. Oh yeah. 
high-definition television with a flat panel display and laser disc guys. They're all coming. <laughs> and that's still there today. <laughs> well, let me tell you a couple predictions the Matrix made that are true. With along with Zara, <laughs> um, uh, sometimes people become blind. Sometimes they're cats you see two times. Often <laughs> women with blonde hair will wear a red dress. True, <laughs> true. They're pills you can eat. Yeah, <laughs> only <Branded>. two. <laughs> so how I about that future? I, and then in your, when you're in your womb, you're just like a businessman. Yeah. So. Well, no, I, let me just, so I think the Castle of Progress is also progressive because dad is in the kitchen in the future. Oh. Oh, is that why he needs all those robots? But he's he using the voice it. activated oven. Oh, I remember he messes it up too and he's like. Burns the turkey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you notice that three, you can't even tell the gender out of three out of five every, every Matrix character? <laughs> Because there's so many asymmetrical haircuts, and yeah. that's the only thing I, and high I used to tell gender. <laughs> high collars. And high collars. So many dusters in the future. I mean, this is not even a competition for me. It's that, that carousel all the way. Wow. I really thought you were one of those girls that were one of those Matrix girls in high school. How dare you? Deepu, I think <laughs> it's... The, so mean. It's unfair because Zara was there when we learned a lot about the carousel of progress one day. And so a lot other, of those facts are coming. My <laughs> other passion besides mid-century art and architecture is um, like tomorrow. I mean, Tomorrowland fits into that. Is it's, that same kind of... Is World's Fair stuff? Epcot. Epcot. Epcot hits all my buttons. 60s visions of the future. 60s visions of the Ugh. future. Oh, it's so good. Well, I endorse taking naps so I can get on board with this. Well, Carousel of Progress (laughs) is uh, moving forward. These are funny. These are next to each other. Yeah. uh, Because they're indiscriminable. Go ahead, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who wants to go first? I can go first. Um, So I guess my way of... Back to the Future 2, everybody knows it. It's from 1989, and its future is October 21st, 2015. And this movie is my favorite of the Back to the Future movies, partly because you get to relive the best parts of the first movie (coughs) again, completely unapologetically. And the future, and the future I'm choosing here is the first future. It's not Biff's evil alternate reality Mm. future. It is the happy hoverboard hologram, you know, VR, self-lacing sneakers future. Partly, it is bright and sunny. I know I was being accused earlier in this that I was only picking (laughs) delightfully optimistic versions of the future. And this is optimistic, but it's also, I liked how it was the same. Like, this is drawing directly from, let's see what we have in 1985 and then, or 1980. What is it said? 85? 85. And then let's build on it a little more. And what's cool about that is so many of the things that were in this movie by 2015 and by 2016, by the actual date when the movie is set, already exist. Like, cameras are everywhere, drones, flat panel, widescreen televisions. <laughs> You're just repeating mount- Brandon's argument. <laughs> it's, but it's cool. This is, like, the best part about it. Um, we had self-lacing sneakers, yes, for too much money, but 
just they have the technology. We're going to get it one day. I'm not one of those people who cares that much about having a hoverboard, but I like that people are looking into it. I liked I like basically I liked this movie because it was an achievable future. It wasn't like an evil post-apocalyptic future. It was like this is probably what we're going to get. So Later in the 80s, another film was made about time travel and um, fixing timelines. And that was um, 1989's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and George Carlin. And, you know, the basic, basic structure of Bill and Ted's is that Bill and Ted are two burnout high schoolers that, through their music... Accidentally um, (laughs) Save the world Through their rock and roll But Something goes wrong in the timelines And they um, A representative from the future George Carlin has to come back And help them get back on track And the way to do that Is acing their history exam And to do that He gives them a time machine From the future Now again I'm talking about the future And not their time travel Um, But this is a future where time travel exists Time travel exists through a Doctor Who Like amorphous blob Machine that can become whatever uh, You want it to And just like Doctor Who it can become a a telephone Poof to disguise itself And they use the Circus of Time uh, Which is a phone booth A phone book that tells them every every Number they need to dial to get them to the future But I just love this idea Of this utopia future Utopic future where rock and roll is the structure of their society. I think there's nothing better than that idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brandon, I'm, I'm really torn on this one because I almost feel like I have to disqualify you because I, I just don't think of Bill and Ted's as about about the future. Do you future. see the future? Yeah, the, the, yes, yes, you see the future. The, for the whole intro um, credit sequence is the time machine coming down um, the, the diamond-shaped time machine coming down, and then it lands, and then becomes, like, no, becomes the that, phone. That's fair. I, I understand that there's a moment you see of that, the future, and and then in Bill and Ted's <laughs> bogus adventure, you see a lot more of the future. So uh, bo- that one, bogus journey, bo- I may have even preferred because I liked how they were trying to cheat death. You see a lot more of the future, and you also learn that they become world renowned when they sing "God Gave Rock and Roll to You" at <laughs> the at the Battle of the Bands, and it accidentally gets broadcast around the world. I mean, oh you guys both picked such <laughs> such subtle choices where such Zara iconic. was going for like nimble accuracy, and you're going for like indirect perceptions of the future. <laughs> the Blink and you miss it. Perceptions of the future. <laughs> well, you know, also I love I love Rufus's style. Um, I, I just love the idea that like the future because remember they they, they do because they go to the future. Remember they go all the way to the, the future, and there's the the. Their their music's playing in the background, and mind the way, their music's very like cool late eighties new agey kind of yeah. you know Genesis sounding music. That's their music, and there's um, statues of them slowly playing the guitar. Oh yeah, I remember that. And there's like columns. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not disagreeing. There was parts of it that had to do with the future. I just. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of like a time travel movie. I'd say all eras receive equal weight. In that movie. Yeah, they stop in each era about the same amount, even the future. They're in the future for like three minutes. So I'm just saying, like, if I picked Hot Tub Time Machine, you wouldn't give me any grief? No, Hot Tub Time Machine has no visions of the future. 
<laughs> it just also has a time machine. <laughs> no, it, it just had no. But I mean, like a big part of of Bill and Ted's is that they he, Rufus comes from the future, and you see the future. <laughs> well, I you know I I, be, I believe you're saying a bunch of factual statements. I'm just the um, plot of that movie <laughs> forms from and moves from the future, and the future vision is that everyone is in harmony because rock and roll saved humanity. But in Back to the Future, <laughs> it's about. Going back to the, to future. the future. Okay, I, let's not be yeah. fair here about how much I also love Back to I the know. Future. I know. Very, very, very much. Very, very much. More than me. <laughs> Probably the facts that I'm giving, you're thinking in your head, oh God, she's yeah. murdering this. In the kindest but, way, I almost want to tell you not to waste your breath, Brad. <laughs> no, I, but, I, 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 no but I will say, no, the vision, I'm sorry, we're talking about the visions of the future, not the movie, not the characters. Do we're you want to be in space the visions with of columns, the or do you want a world that looks like the 1980s, but with like VR I don't headsets? Think the future is that great in Back to the Future, part two. It's but not supposed it to be great. Safe? Marty is like in dire straits in that future. His why his marriage well, is falling that's, apart. That's but that's not man. the future's fault. Yeah, that's one man. Other people are like on their rock hoverboards with a that utopia hologram shark where you go to college and get lectured on rock and roll. I know. I want to be honest with you. I don't even like rock and roll that much, Brandon. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and I do like shiny hats. The hat. <laughs> so, so no, but it's not just. It's actually their rock and roll is more like cool new wavy Genesis music. That doesn't. I, Phil that Collins doesn't is on my list. That'll be another episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the uh, way, I don't know if it was clear. I picked Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's a big part of this is where it landed. It had to land with the other 1980s high schooler time traveling to yeah. save the future. It's really hard because it's like conceptually it's obviously Star Trek, but like yeah. in a world of like what would I actually want to plop myself into and just look around it's and her. see the world to look that way, I would pick her. Saying the man that picked all the post-apocalyptic <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that one wasn't post-apocalyptic. Oh, yeah. I had a whole so argument of why it was post-apocalyptic. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> like, it I was still it Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, like, but she's a robot and not yeah, a person. It was like a world full of Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> and it was like after Chris Pratt got skinny, which is very post-apocalyptic. Um, when I almost had Star Trek on my list, I thought a lot about what I wanted to live or be in Star Trek. And I do prefer, I don't think I would like to live on a ship, but if it is... You don't have to live in a ship on Star Trek. But I could live on the space station. There's, you can live in San Francisco at the Starfleet Academy. See, I'd like that, Yeah, you could also just... You could live anywhere in Star Trek. (laughs) And I could beam places. I could be anywhere. Well, I don't know how much beaming you're going to be doing if you're not on a starship. Beam from Star Trek, from San Francisco to New York. Yeah, no, no, no. You can beam around the world. That's not a problem. You can beam about the distance of, of the Earth. You just have to have the coordinates. Yeah, you have to have the right coordinates and not have, you know, it's fine. But quick question, would you be able to have a, like, high-tech digital camera that looked like an old-timey camera from the 60s that was updated and modernized? <laughs> <laughs> I wish Star Trek had a little less 
I feel like there's something a little, even though it's from originally from the sixties, it didn't take any of that awesome sixties vision of the future. No, it did. You just haven't watched enough of the original. Oh, uh, right. TOS. I guess I just don't, I wish it's so gray. And I wish you it haven't had watched a enough of the TOS. I have to show you some TOS. It is like full out sixties. Like, oh okay. yeah. Very campy. I've seen. Yeah. But not in the way you necessarily like it campy, but it's still pretty campy. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is just um, remember that beautiful song Karen O sings. Yeah, <laughs> that would exist uh, <laughs> in the her future. <laughs> I think that the Star Trek is the most livable future because any sickness that you have, you have a machine that you just wave oh, over yeah, I it, forgot about that. and it heals it. So it's like, and if your sickness was what he has in her, which is like loneliness and depression. They could probably cure that with that machine. But here's a question. Can we even appreciate sunshine without rain? I mean, I don't want to get too deep on this podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> can we? <laughs> is anyone? No, no, that's, 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 that's the Star Trek um, future. Uh, we'll, we'll ask Sheila to put out a poll. <laughs> yeah, please please respond audience. to the poll um, that Sheila puts out. <laughs> Um, she never tells us the results. She only puts out a poll. You can't see this, but I'm like starting to tear up a little bit. (laughs) Like I asked the question like a joke and I'm like, now I don't even know. Now you're like, wait, I actually want to know the answer. (laughs) I think the Star Trek is the most livable future. And I've imagined living in that future, you know, countless times in my life. Yeah. Uh, also, it's the idea, and this is, I think, to try to sell it to the, the, the crowd a little bit, is that it is a future, which this will get me teary, where the smart people win. Oh. Oh, but... Um, in yeah. every way. The smart people are always the ones that win. And don't say C- Captain Kirk always threw punches and everything, because he also was a very good tactician. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not slamming that. I'm just... I really want Zara to think about the interior design of the apartment she would be living in uh, if she picked her. Well, you know what? I was thinking more about it. I like, um, I like Picard's apartment because he has books, doesn't he? Because he likes, yeah, he has books um, <laughs> with like holograph tape on it to make it look like it's the future, but yeah. it's but still a book. You're, you're yeah, thinking exactly. too broadly. Really think about what each sconce would look like and each pillow and well, the color on the walls. Oh, the bla- you're not going to have that blanket in Star Trek. Have you seen Captain Kirk's apartment? No. Think, think about Brandon in some high-waisted pants. <laughs> I don't have they to all think. Wear, in, in original Star Trek, <laughs> they all wear high-waisted pants. But I, I really think that the Her world is what um, Star Trek San Francisco looks exactly like. So in a way, like, look, I think look Star at, Trek like, the quarters and st- that's a like an etching. That's not. Really- <laughs> I love that. Right now, Brandon is pulling up blueprints from the Star He's Trek. Showing universe. like fan art, Star Trek like charcoal drawings. Well, like, here's Picard's quarters. <laughs> it's nice. It's just I wish they did more at the windows. I understand why they don't because it's a ship. But I want like a floodlit. Like I. I need light. I can't be in space. Yeah. So I'm not in space. I'm in San Francisco Starfleet Academy, and I'm happy. I'm fine. So I'm going to pick Star Trek you based on like that. You could be a professor at Star Trek Academy. I could be a professor at Star Trek Academy. Because I'm going to be living in a her house there. Well, guess who's texting <laughs> Spike Jones right now? <laughs> I'm going to tweet tell, at Spike tell, Jones. Tell him. This is the Carousel in Progress. 
I know I this is a hard either. one for you, Brandon. <laughs> uh, yeah, Deepu's not even going to deign to argue this because it's so stupid. Yeah, take my silence as dissent. You guys just, you guys just continue. <laughs> um. Oh, so I want to bring up a few more, just a few things. To, Are to you going to bring up the Sherman Brothers? Well, the Sherman Brothers, who did Mary Poppins and every other classic um, Disney thing, uh, did Carousel of Progress, The Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. But also, I just want to bring up, remember how amazing, when we found on YouTube, the original Act 4 was? <laughs> we watched a montage on YouTube of all of the Act 4s. All of the Act 4s. Because they have, they have evolved the Act 4 every... Um, it was like every you know decade, except they haven't done it in a while. 1993, um, I looked it up. Yeah. Um, but the original Act 4, they mention how they don't need to worry about um, missing their television show because they have, their TV has a video recorder built into oh. it. And they live in a domed city that GE invented. And they had a GE fridge and a GE TV and a GE washer dryer. <laughs> Which is what I want in the future. <laughs> a GE kitchen. Brendan, are you sure you want this? I know I said I was going to be quiet, but are you even sure you want this? Don't think just because you had to slam All Back right. to the Future 2 last round that you can't just re- reinvigorate Again, it. We, I'm not, I don't think I was the one to bring up this argument, but I think it's about our favorite and which one we would want to live in. Um, and I generally think that the Back to the Future Part 2 future is supposed to be a bad future because the at the very end now we're you want to go deep into back to the future circular logic this is one of my few talents is that the the idea is that at the end of the back to the future trilogy because Mm -hmm. because marty doesn't get into the car accident he is allowed to change his future right if that was a great future marty would have done like i'll get in the car accident then maybe I won't get divorced and my kids won't be awful and all played by me. But the, I, the main thrust, the main arc of Marty McFly is that he needs to change that future, that it's not a good future. And you're saying because Disney hasn't updated the Carousel of Progress since 1993, they've really landed on a solid future. <laughs> I love that. They're like committed to this future and they refuse to update it. I love it. All the the dog from the twenties is still alive. Oh yeah. (laughs) I promise Uh, you, I promise you in ten years that exhibit won't exist. They just then they just updated No, they just updated they just updated the sign. It it, It's where dads get to sleep at Disney World. I'm just saying in ten years. Everybody on the ride. That that's my it prediction. Is, when it's really hot in Orlando, it is a great air conditioned ride that you can get right on. And Let, you can sit down as opposed to the Hall of Presidents. Let's meet you can sit here. Down oh, you can? Yeah, but the Hall of Presidents doesn't move. Oh. It's not a ride. <laughs> Let's meet I, here in ten years and we'll see who's right. I guarantee you the Carousel of Progress will still be around and it won't be updated. And it'll still be that wonderful nineteen ninety three future. <laughs> um I am Siding with you, Brandon, because I can't turn my back on a 1960s fairground ride. (laughs) I love the World's Fair. (laughs) If you want to try to sway Zarba, no, you're not going to. It's fine. I don't think you're going to do it. Uh, No, I I know I'm not. (laughs) You're just disgusted now. I'm just disgusted now. This 
is the final <laughs> round. Zara, this is how how di- if you even dare to pick that carousel, <laughs> you, like, just, you got to get real for a second, girl. You know, like, you got to you got to get real. This is for the Jetsons. <laughs> Zara, you got to get real. You space can, house. <laughs> there's, there's hundreds of space houses in the San Francisco of the Star Trek universe. Deep Space Nine is like a floating space house. You don't oh think they god. have automatic refrigerators there? Oh my god, do they have Voice GE? activated. Voice activated. <laughs> they don't have refrigerators like that because they have food processing machines. Oh yeah, I always wanted one of those. Now, this is why I think it's probably I, I here, let me now I I have to battle for both, but I'll say this about Calisilla Progress is I think that that future is pretty amazing because they haven't had to update it since 1993. That's not why they haven't updated it. <laughs> I love it, but that's not why. <laughs> I just I, I literally just cannot imagine a world, a future where we walk away from this podcast with the Carousel of Progress beating Star Trek in terms of being the best case scenario for futures. <laughs> we have virtual reality. TV. We have HD television. We have video machines. They have a full holodeck, which makes it look like anything you want. You can make it look like the the scene from her. You can have. You can have. (gasps) Whoa! Wait. You could have all the other futures inside the holodeck. Yeah. You can also. You can have the progress inside the holodeck. You can also um, reenact Robin Hood. You can. Be mobsters. Oh yeah, be in 1940s New York yeah. all the time. Yeah. Well, that, that was a fun, fun, interesting, cool thing that they did for the next generation because in the original Star Trek they would actually time travel, oh. and I think they're like, we don't really want to do that, so we're just going to put them into the to the the holodeck where you could also, um, you know, well, why was it always 1940s gangster stuff? Because Picard really liked noir novels, oh. so he would want to reenact. Um, Noir novels. Okay. <laughs> well, and one other, just just to put the like the clutch winner, like why I'm gonna win this for Star Trek. In the world of the Carousel of Progress, there are zero Dyson products. <laughs> there is not a single beautifully designed, well executed vacuum in the world. <laughs> Oh, I've never seen a vacuum in Star Trek. They don't need it. They don't There's need like it. Some kind of true eliminated dust. <laughs> that was the yeah. eliminated well. dust. I, I would, don't want to drop my mic because it's a little expensive, but you know. Yeah. Now I think in the f- f- future we want to look forward. Let me get real here. I th- want to look the future we want to look forward to. <laughs> It is a future where there's people of all races, and I want to throw this out because I haven't yet. I was saving it until the end just in case. Star Trek first interracial kiss on television. Oh, no, um, that was Rosie, um, the robot, and that alien. <laughs> and the green and alien. That, and that uh, green alien. And Astro the dog. Kazoo, isn't it? The kazoo. great kazoo? It was Kazoo, kazoo and yeah. Rosie. <laughs> it didn't make sense, but it wasn't what either of them wanted. <laughs> George um, made them do it in like a snuff film. And also, and also, uh, Star Trek was uh, the person that kept that on TV. The person that put that on TV was a woman, is Lucille Ball. So I think it's like the most progressive oh. creation. It is very progressive. And actually, created. I have to say, all these for- visions of the future, they're all very, very white. <laughs> yeah, this one so involves I, I Whoopi Goldberg, too. No, the, yeah, Star Trek Gold- has a, a vision of the future with Whoopi Goldberg. Cisco, That's true. Captain Cisco. No, but also it's the fact that Whoopi's in the future is amazing. <laughs> Finally, yes. Finally. <laughs> we did it, you guys. Whoopi's in the future. 
Her name's yeah. Guinan, guys. Come on. Really? <laughs> oh, and she can, like, she has visions and stuff. Yeah, she's got like some her. powers. She's got some powers. She's also the bartender. That's right. <laughs> she's, um, like, generations old, too. Oh, yeah, I love that trope in Star Trek. They, they love going and to that. She can just go, she can just, like, look at Q, and Q, like, freezes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> I, I liked that episode. Q is such a little shit. <laughs> Yeah, that was. Wait, I'll, I'll keep watching. Well, we'll, we'll keep. We'll keep going. Yeah. We'll so keep going. Star Trek. Let's let's do it. <laughs> Test complete. The Totes Faves Visions of the Future are number five, The Jetsons. Number four, Back to the Future Part Two. Number three, Her. Number two, Walt Disney's The Carousel of Progress Act Four. Number one, Star Trek. Commence Fave of the Week segment. So what's everyone uh, been into? It's been a while. So this is like kind of a fave of the last month, mm-hmm. I'd say. So what's everyone been into? Um, I'll go ahead and start because I really bombed on this week's episode in terms of getting my things to the height of it. <laughs> and I'm actually going to go back a little bit in time. But I know this has been going on for a very long time, but it's the first year I caught it. But my fave of the week and probably going to be the fave of all of 2017 is one of the last events to happen in 2016, which was Kathy Griffin and Anderson Cooper on CNN's Countdown to the New Year. It was the most amazing thing I've seen in the world is just Kathy harassing this like dignified creature that's Anderson Cooper. At one point, <laughs> she wrapped him in tinfoil. At another point, she like sort of like mouth raped him. And at first, he looked disgusted, but then he realized he was on TV, so he went in for a second kiss. She also Aww. like played a video clip of him losing to Cheech Marion on Jeopardy and being like, Anderson, don't you feel so stupid? You lost to a stoner. It was just like an hour of harassment that was gorgeous. Have you seen it before? Because I've se- I didn't watch it this year, but I've watched it in previous years, and it is brutal. Yeah, this is the first time I ever watched it, and I've never been more like aroused, but not in a sexual way. <laughs> I love when TV goes off the rails, so it is one of my favorite things when I get to catch it because I, I love when TV get, gets like to oh, that yeah. level. Where and they had to pull people Don have to Lemon. fill four hours. They had to pull Don Lemon. He was in New Orleans, and he got so drunk that they had to pull him out of the segment. Oh, yeah, I saw a clip of that. Yeah, so we didn't get to see any of this because we celebrated New Year's in London in a taxi cab. Oh. Yes. How romantic. Coming home from dinner with my parents. Because Zara's parents got too tired at 11.45 p.m. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, the dinner finished at like 11.30, and then we walked everyone through a, was a, so overfull. We walked through a battlefield of drunk, drunk English people, people. And then a taxi appeared, and we're like, let's just get it. They literally can do no wrong in my book. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite of the week is just going to be a little sincere. I really, um, everything that's going on politically is like, absolutely so depressing and it's you can't really turn off the news because you want to know what's going on but it's also it's like a bombardment of bad news every single Mm day and um brandon and i and other friends of ours marched in the women's march in new york on saturday and it it was like so peaceful so calm i hate crowds i'm not a good i'd say i'm a medium activist in that i'll I'm like, we'll share information and vocally tell people about things, but I'm really bad about like calling my congressman or like doing 
letter writing campaigns yeah. and things like that. Like th- I do feel like there's so much more I should be doing and hopefully we'll start doing. Um, but the women's March, it made me feel like put a little warmth in my heart that there were so many different types of people and ages and people from all over. Um, and it was so peaceful and there were people like hugging the cops and taking photos with the cops. Oh, and it, that's really It was just nice. very like, Oh, in a nice way. And I hope ever, I hope the, feeling that something needs to change and something needs to get done is maintained and that people use this as something to like move forward for and that there's so much work to be done and I hope it motivates me. And um, related to that, a second fave of the week was, well, actually it's more of a concept. It's all these awesome websites that have come out to like help people show how to show them how to be an activist and do stuff for people who are not naturally inclined like myself. And so one good one that I liked that I saw two days ago was this swingleft.org, which um, you put in your zip code and it shows you the districts that are swing, swing districts near you so that for the next election in 2018, you could hopefully help the con- local congressmen and people who are running in those or state assembly people who are running in those districts to help midterms guys they're actually midterms. more important there actually are more election. th- elections that we can vote in and do things um, for and so it identifies those areas that are just on your doorstep that you can help um, do things for if you are living in a liber- liberal bubble like New York City like myself um, that really is beautiful, Zara, especially following my pick of Kathy Griffin on CNN. <laughs> I really, I well, the really feeling, feel good. probably I really how Anderson Cooper felt that. that night is like how I feel every day. Like <laughs> just this feeling of unease. <laughs> uh, off of that a little bit, and I'll explain why, how and why, um, is, uh, my pick is how I'm slowly, uh, just becoming an old man, and I'm spending a lot of my time on Ancestry.com now. It's taken over his life. <laughs> uh, because Zara, very, very nice, uh, gave me um, a Ancestry DNA kit and a, where you spit into the tube, and they um, tell you where your genes are from. But part of that in the guide, they said to go build your family tree on Ancestry.com, and apparently once you do that, the, the it, they match parts of the, the DNA strands up with ancestors that you put on your tree. And I fell in very deep and uh, dragged Zara along it, uh, with me. And it's a fun game, I will say, because we're you're, all of our genealogy is such a mystery, so it makes for a fun thing to research. And I've had a few very touching moments, too, where I was able to find a photo of my mom's closest relative, uh, my, uh, my great aunt, found a photo of her from 15 years old, which is the earliest photo my mom's ever seen of her. Uh, I found names of, uh, my dad's grandparents, uh, my dad's grandparents that he didn't know. I found, uh, so found actual names. My brother's fiance knows very little about her past. I found gr- her great pet grandparents, the great, great, great grandparents. And it's all this information that she had no idea mm. and i and you know to get a little bit political of it off the other thing is i think it's something that everyone should maybe not be required to do but you know in high school they should make it a project for every child because it um it just makes you realize how close we are to not being in america <laughs> where if not for a few people being very strong, um, 
or almost all of us are only a generation or two mm-hmm. away from not being in America. <laughs> and it just shows you connected. how connected we yeah. are to the rest of the world. And to the rest of the world and to each other and how yeah. once you build these trees and you're like, and you start going up as like up two generations and then it's like this person's one of five, one yeah. of six, and then they all have kids and they're all married and they're all living. And then you also see like, especially in mine, um, on my American side, there was one parent and it was like Cordova, Kentucky for like six generations. So to be the one who like left Cordova, Kentucky, my grandfather did. And it's like he, to join the army in World War II. But it's like crazy to think like how history that's passed through the same place, same place, same place. And what takes someone to yeah. get on out. And, it, and it also <laughs> it, it is kind of it, one other thing I'm slowly realizing, too, is how uh, I guess one bonus of technology and everything is we can do this kind of thing because my parents are pretty into genealogy and they've gotten into ancestry too, but there's like a, just a big gap of knowledge. And I doubt a lot of people and have handed down as much. Zara is very lucky because her parents write to- write to- her parents, her relatives write tomes. My great aunt and my grandmother oh. both wrote like 200 word reflection or 200 page reflections of every piece of history that they remember about their families. Yeah. Lots of Lindsley Depot. I know. Yeah. And you don't have to be like just, you know, you don't have to be Ellis Island, uh, European descendants. It's got everyone. And it's really fascinating what you can figure out. And terrifying, too, to know that these, like, I don't know. It's in- it's interesting, especially if you're in the army or the military at all. Oh, how much documentation Every year of your life is accounted for. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, all the most of the people you're researching are past anyway, so it, they're dead. Who they're, cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, Check that's that out. the perfect last laugh for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the future. The future. Closing they're dead. Note. Who cares? <laughs> uh, so. Where can everyone find you? Deepu, what have you been up to lately? Tell every update everyone. Oh, great. Uh, you know, I, uh, tw- tw- on Twitter, I post about a lot of papers that are in the fields of memory and neuroscience at BP Murdy. Um, and then I've been doing improv out my butthole uh, left and right at a Steel City Improv Theater where um, I'm on two different teams. And you can find shows for both uh, the Deep End and um, Part Time Divas. So in, in, in Pittsburgh, it's okay to do improv out your butthole. That's like legal. Oh, it's actually the only way you're allowed to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. officially sanctioned. There, there's been a lot of attempts to do vaginal improv, and it's just <laughs> it's just not a safe space because women aren't as funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did say that. That's Zara. That was Zara. <laughs> I'm allowed to say it. Um. You can find me on Twitter at ZaraFS. Um, and you can watch... Sorry, my stomach is rumbling. <laughs> when Zara's um, stomach rumbles, it affects her whole body, <laughs> up to her brain. Um, so starting again, um, you can find me on Twitter at ZaraFS. You can watch Watch It Happens Live Sunday through Thursday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern to see a show that I work on. And uh, so, yeah, I'm on Twitter at BB Werner. Uh, you can follow my uh, history adventures on Instagram and YouTube uh, at Laughing Historically. And uh, all of the Totes Fave 
uh, episodes and notes that Sheila does. All that stuff is can be found. Sheila's polls, whole corner. <laughs> can be found at uh, yeticore.com, but also uh, at totesfaves.com. And uh, I've been working to clean that up. It's becoming something a little bit easier and nicer to look at and use. Uh, and all episodes are shared on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So yeah, follow us all there. Yeah, follow us. If you're comment listening to this, please me. comment, tell friends, all the rest. Comment on iTunes. Comment on iTunes. What do we want them to tell us in the iTunes this time? Um, well, I don't think anybody responded to our last request, so maybe we can make this one a little fun. Um, what um, would you want to see in the holodeck? Yeah, what would you do in the holodeck? That's or right. who would you do? Oh, yeah. that's it. Who would you do? Who would you do in the holodeck? Who would you do in the holodeck and, and where? Oh, I said holodeck. Holodeck? <laughs> I guess I'm talking about data. Yeah.